0: Hello and welcome to The Too Deep, live with Tim Hoffman here in studio and Will Stone. We are here on The Too Deep. Um, okay, we are still getting tested out. This is the live premiere of The Two Deep here on krnu YouTube Now we're in set. We are <laughs> set and ready to go. Here we go, folks. So today we are going to be talking general sports. This is hopefully going to be a regular thing, Monday nights, 5 p.m. Tim, how are you feeling?
1: We're doing great today. Super Bowl was a little, little
0: lax, but you know. It is what it is. Yeah, I was going to actually just ask you that, but, you know, I kind of want to introduce myself just a little bit. Uh, my name is Will Stone. I'm from North Platte, Nebraska, you know, graduate. I'm here a sophomore now at UNL, we're trying to make it in the sports world. Tim, what about you? Tell us, what wh-
1: where are you from? Yeah, so I'm from Sutton, Nebraska. I'm a freshman here, second semester. It's going well. I'm also sports media communications. I've done a lot of writing, but definitely wanted to get into the broadcasting type of thing, so...
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, Tim, tell us. Uh, right now, we've got. We're going to start. Start with our first segment. We're going to be talking a little bit of Super Bowl. You know, we feel like a lot of you guys probably, uh, probably watched the Super Bowl. Probably, um, you know, had a lot of fun there. So we're not going to break it down too much. But Tim, start us off. Super Bowl, good or boring?
1: Me personally thought it was a boring. Um, definitely, the only one I could compare it to was uh, Broncos and Panthers when it was just. Mm. Very, very low defensive. Um, you know, props to props to Belichick. He, uh, you know, was the mastermind of that game and just dumbfounded Sean McVay and the Rams offense. And they never knew what was going to be coming, and, you know, that was the difference of the game. So I thought it was a little boring, but, you know, that's just me. How about you? That's what
0: you can do. Uh, I mean, I thought it was crazy that Sean McVay, the known offensive wizard that he is, could only manage three points against the Patriots defense that looked like one of the best in the league. Granted, we've known that the Patriots defense is very solid, but definitely expected uh, a little more from McVay there. So that's what uh, our thoughts were on the Super Bowl, but now we're going to take it a little bit further. We're going to be talking, you know, kind of the future and where this goes from for now. You know, the Patriots and Rams both kind of are staring down an identity crisis of sorts uh, with the Rams having a lot of players uh, looking down. Uh... Into their contracts, or at least coming up on that. Uh, A lot of free agents this year. Patriots, a little bit of the same with Tom Brady. Um, Possibly, you know, every year it's kind of will he retire? Will he come back? Belichick is kind of nearing the end, it seems. And, you know, obviously, rumors of, you know, reports of the Patriots' demise were greatly exaggerated and whatnot. But uh, the truth is, they, you know, it's it's never really wrong to to expect that this could be the end. So, Tim's going to take a little bit of our Patriots talk today. So, Tim, what do you see from the Patriots kind of going forward, and, and what do you think of Tom Brady uh, as it stands kind of now?
1: Yeah, so first first off, Gronk said kind of last night that he was going to take a week or two to figure out his his future, and I really, really do think that he will not be back this next season. Um, he's just taken such a toll as a tight end and so many injuries, and I think that is a huge, huge uh, disadvantage for the Patriots. You know, if you, you look at last night and, you know – Julian Edelman just kind of won that game for them. You know, he ran perfect routes. No one could guard him. You know, when you take out Gronk, you almost have to double-team Gronk or he's just going to kill you. And, you know, take away Gronk, you start doubling Edelman, then who do you go to? So I think I think the Patriots are running out of offensive weapons. And I Brady's probably going to be back, but Brady's the type of guy who needs needs guys to get open, you know, when you think about last night you're like you know what how many throws were you like oh my gosh Tom Brady that was a fantastic throw you know the one to Gronk where they got down to the two-yard line that was a great throw fantastic throw
0: Tim Tim what are you saying here are you you trying to make the claim that that Tom Brady may not actually be I I mean I don't I don't know I don't want to put words in your mouth Tim but but it sure sounds like you're kind of talking down on Brady here what do you what do you mean by that
1: All due respect to Brady, he's a great, great quarterback, and he is probably the greatest winner of NFL football, no doubt. You know, if we're in the last drive, you want the ball in Brady's hands. But there are certainly, certainly more quarterbacks out there today in this league that are more talented than Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has at least five throws every single game where you're like, how the heck did he make that throw? Aaron Rodgers. Ability to scramble, throw on the run, throw it 34 yards downfield on the money. Perfect. Russell Wilson, uh, ability to scramble, ability to throw a deep ball right where it needs to be. But, yeah, I listened. ESPN this morning was debating if Tom Brady was the greatest athlete of all time. And I don't even think he should be considered in that category because I feel like Tom Brady is replaceable. I feel like, you know, you said it the other night, if we, if Tom Brady is not drafted by the Patriots and has Bill Belichick as as his coach, are we really talking him as about? We talking about him as much as we are? I don't think we are. You know, Tom Bill Belichick's system allows people to get open. He's a mastermind, and you know Tom Brady's is throwing to wide open receivers 10, 15 yards down the field. That's yep. not doesn't take a certain amount of talent. So, and I think he's you know he's replaceable. You could. You could almost put, you know, Pat Mahomes, if you throw him in the Patriots offense, you know, they probably won one or they probably lose one or two games this year. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree with that. I mean,
0: I'm definitely one who uh, likes to use the term greatest of all time for Tom Brady, and I don't really throw any caveats on that. I don't say greatest quarterback of all time, greatest player of all time. Uh, But, you know, there's no question that at six Super Bowl rings or six, seven Super Bowls, six Super Bowl rings and, you know, so many appearances. That there's no question he's the greatest of all time. He's got his stats it up too, but uh, I am a firm believer in that uh, concept that Tom Brady may not be the player he is, and we may not even know the name Tom Brady today if he hadn't spent uh, 20 years in uh, Bill Belichick's system. You know, he he you know, obviously started off well with you know Bledsoe and all that, and worked his way from there. But the truth is, you never know what's going to happen. So Tim, you got any more Patriots takes?
1: Yeah, I just think you know with the greatest of the greatest athlete of all time i think you know michael jordan you know babe ruth they those were some guys mentioned on espn they changed the game and they were irreplaceable you know if you take michael jordan off the bulls they're not winning championships and i think you know if you put someone if you replace tom brady with some other quarterback i think you could they could still win some championships so that's that's all I'm saying.
0: Exactly. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> so yeah, so we'll uh, shift gears just a little bit, and we'll talk about the Rams' kind of identity crisis of their own here. Uh, you know, uh, basically we're kind of looking at it, and Indama Sue is going to be a free agent this year. Lamarcus Joyner is a free agent. Um, you know, Roger Saffold, Dante Fowler, C J Anderson, the big late season pickup, all unrestricted free agents going into twenty nineteen. Pretty crazy, but you know, I think I think it's ridiculous kind of looking at that. You know, y- they kind of built this window of we've got one year to kind of get to where we need to be. We're gonna kind of try to catch lightning in a bottle with Sean McVeigh and all these you know top dog free agents who we've kind of thrown onto a all-star team of sorts and it's kind of super bowl or bust and they got there which you know i'm whether or not they deserve to be there or not you you know is up to interpretation sorry any saints fans if you happen to be listening tough game but you should have managed the clock a little better yeah (laughs) um (coughs) the truth is though that they did make it to the super bowl super bowl or bust they made it there and though they couldn't win it definitely showed that their system could work in some capacity but the problem is now they've got to pay some of these unrestricted free agents or find replacements for them sue had 60 tackles five sacks hit the quarterback not, like 20 times and had two fumble recoveries you know that is a big either payday or loss that they're gonna have to you know kind of weigh their options Lamarcus Joyner, joiner cornerback had 80 tackles only had one pick but you know played good coverage and saffold started every game for the rams fowler was starting every game by the end of the year played in every playoff i mean started every playoff game cj anderson i don't have to tell you you know the dude took over everybody's twitter feeds by saying you know by going out there and picking up where todd Gurley left off due to injury you know i mean it's these are big things that you know the rams are gonna have to deal with and especially as it turns into Goff's contract years you know he's an unrestricted free agent in 2020 uh and a restricted free agent or restricted free agent in 2020 unrestricted in 2021 uh, brandon cooks and todd Gurley are both locked in way down the line but cooper cups end of his rookie deals approaching robert woods in 2022 these guys like their core is starting to kind of shift a little bit so that they've got to start paying everybody in as the 2013 seahawks can attest there comes a point where guys aren't on their rookie contracts anymore and everybody has to get paid and so it'll be interesting to see how they manage that but uh you know best best take i saw on twitter last night was that uh, if that super bowl showed anything it shows that the rams have to get a younger coach if they're gonna win so <laughs> anyway uh well that's about all we have for the super bowl we didn't want to discuss it too much but uh We're going to talk about uh you know kind of next year we're going to we're going to look all the way ahead we're going to look all the way ahead to 2019's nfl because we thought why the heck not this is the first show we might as well see what works what doesn't and um tim and i are going to kind of break down our you know postseason picks for uh, a year from now and then we'll look at you know kind of a couple other things so tim if the season ended you know if the 2019 season was happening right now and the playoffs are starting who's your number one seed on, on both sides, NFC and AFC.
1: So for the NFC, I got the Saints. I think, you know, Drew Brees, Al- Alvin Kamara, you know, all these guys, they're returning. Um, I don't see much of a drop-off there. And I think the Chiefs, you know, if they can go out and they can get a running back and, you know, have a have a more more of a force in the running game because, it, you know, there was no question about it. They were definitely a different team once when they were without Kareem Hunt. So I have the Saints and the Chiefs as my one seed in the AFC and NFC.
0: Uh, yeah, that I, I would 100% agree with a little bit of the things you were saying, especially with the Chiefs. I also would put the Chiefs as my number one seed in the AFC. Uh, on the NFC, I like the Bears. I like the Bears a lot. I also like the Seahawks, but ultimately I feel like the Bears are a little bit more of a complete team at the moment. But I would say Bears, Bears-Chiefs. Um, just just real quick, uh, we're going to step – away from a second and i'm just gonna let you guys know if you're just joining us that you are listening to kr and you too uh this is the two deep the running premiere first show i'm happy to be here with tim hoffman and my name is will stone and yeah we're talking nfl takes right now kind of spitting some game on 2019 and whatnot tim walk us through the rest of your nfc who who, who follows the saints in the playoff picture
1: so i think i think the Rams will be right back up there again um you said the bears bears defensively are phenomenal I think Mitchell Trubisky is on the uprise and you know if they can get a kicker they're all set. Um, I think the Eagles will be back. Um, I like your Seahawks you know they proved proved me wrong proved me wrong this year um, and then Cowboys I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen with that franchise but you know I think they have you know with Dak and with Zeke I think they have enough talent there that i think they could get that last wild card spot
0: dude you know dak exactly exactly yeah. um yeah i i behind the bears uh, i had the seahawks number 2 i know i'm i'm big seahawks fan i will disclose 100% i'm a seahawks fan and i don't want to you know seem like too much of a homer even though that's probably what you're all thinking of me right now um but i like them as our as our number 2 seed like i just said the rams are at a crossroads and the truth is, Seattle almost beat them twice in 2018, and Seattle came on real strong. And with the departure of Earl Thomas and a couple other key veteran players who didn't really do much for Seattle this year, they're opening up a ton of cap space. I think early projections had them at about $70 million they can spend this offseason, plus a new draft class and, and whatnot. We know that, you know. John Schneider's been a wizard out in Seattle, and Pete Carroll consistently. You know, I mean, I'm gonna always lobby for Pete Carroll Coach of the Year, but the truth is, I I think that you know this year he kind of shows it. And as they came on real strong late in the season, I hope that they can kind of put it all together, and I, I think they will at this point. I also had uh, the Saints winning the AFC South or NFC South. Goodness gracious, NFC South with the Saints, and the Eagles taking the NFC East, and then. Rams, we're going to check in as our top wild card spot. I think the NFC West will be real fun to watch this year with a good Seahawks team. Um, Who knows what Garoppolo could maybe do for the 49ers. That team is kind of bad. And maybe the Arizona Cardinals will get somebody really flashy in the draft. Maybe Nick Bosa will become the next Aaron Donald or something. Um, But yeah, I have Rams and Panthers. So shaking out the NFC, I have Bears, Seahawks, Saints, Eagles, Rams, Panthers in that order. And it, obviously the Panthers, very contingent on whether or not we get a Cam Newton appearance or if that shoulder surgery will sideline him long-term. But as it stands now, assuming Cam Newton will be back, I like the Panthers taking home that sixth seed. Take us to the AFC.
1: AFC, we got Chiefs, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, Tyreek Hill. You know, if, like I said, if they can get their run defense figured out, get a, pick up a running back in free agency, I think they'll be set. Uh, second, I got the Chargers, uh, Phillip Rivers. They, they were very good this year. You know, they... Had two very tough games having to go out to Baltimore and then going out to Foxboro to play, you know, the Ravens and the Patriots. Uh, number three, I got the, the Patriots. Um, can never count Tom Brady. You know, Julian, he's guaranteed he's probably going to be back. Julian Edelman, you know, looked like the best receiver in the playoffs. Um, Texans, you know, you got Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt. You know, you got all those guys. I think they'll be back. Um, number five first or yeah first wild card spot we got the Colts and then Andrew Luck T.Y. Hilton them and here comes the big one last playoff spot the Browns Cleveland Browns Cleveland Browns I think Baker's feeling dangerous I think Baker Baker's feeling dangerous I I truly don't think the Steelers are going to get their problems figured out and I think you're going to see a real decline next year and I think the Browns have a chance to I feel like their biggest threat next year will be the Ravens. I think they can, they can outlast them for that well, it's or actually the division title. So
0: I respect that. I respect that a lot. Um, I also we we real consensus on the Chiefs. I had the Patriots at number two. Um, I really, I mean, as we kind of discussed earlier, Patriots are hard to write off until they show that they're write offable, and I'm not ready to do that yet. Colts, I had at number three. That was my big, kind of big, bold take. Colts at number three. I think Andrew Luck and that team showed some resurgence down the stretch late in the season. I'm a big fan of taking how the season ended and flashing that ahead to the next year. And I like the way that the uh, Colts finished. And I have the Steelers taking the fourth spot. I uh, With Le'Veon Bell out of the picture, off the books, not being a headache— you know, I think that that team, and the same with Antonio Brown, that team is going to find a way to, you know, incorporate Juju a little more, incorporate James Conner a little more. Ben Rohlesberger is going to throw for a lot of yards. They're going to go draft some big receiver, sign maybe a, a big player to go compliment him. They're going to try to make one last push at the postseason and, and, and whatnot. I like the Texans winning or finishing runner up to the Colts in the AFC South, but making it in this card team. And I'm sorry, no hate to Baker, but I do like. Uh, the Ravens in that in that last spot uh, I do think that Baker is the real deal but I'm gonna always hold it against the Browns for not going uh Saquon number one Baker number four uh, I just I'm I'm a little bitter <laughs> about that one of that long time uh, we got about two minutes before break Tim uh, walk us through who your MVP who your coach of the year who your sleeper team is you know what whatever whatever projections you got otherwise Super Bowl matchup give us give us everything you got I'll hit you with mine and then we'll go to break
1: um, Super Bowl, I think it's going to be Chiefs Saints. Um, I don't think, I don't think the, anyone in the AFC will be able to stop the uh, Chiefs offense. I think the Saints. Um, my MVP is actually Drew Brees. I think next year could very well be his final year, mm. and I think just kind of a going out party, and you know try to avoid the Peyton Manning where you know you struggled the last two three years of your career, and you know ended on a high note. Sleeper team. Obviously the Browns, um, I like like Baker. He did very very well throughout um, throughout his rookie season. They got a new coach, you know. Don't know what he's gonna do. Um, that's pretty much all I got.
0: That's good. That's good. Good stuff there. Uh, in my Super Bowl, I was seeing the Bears and the Chiefs. Like I said, I like my matchups in the number one seeds. I know that doesn't really ever happen, but I'm expecting that that yeah. probably won't be right. <laughs> my my projections won't be right, and that. Uh, We'll still wind up with Bears Chiefs in the Super Bowl there, um, you know Mitch Trubisky, verdict's still out on him. But I think what was it the 2006 Bears made the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman as their quarterback. Yeah, I, anything's like possible yeah. when you got a great defense. And you know, put my money on Eddie Jackson and Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and all those boys, monsters of the Midway and whatnot. Uh, I got Mahomes back to back MVPs. You got, I mean, if if he's the number one seed, you got to see it. And then my sleeper team. I guess technically my sleeper team is kind of the Steelers because I, I guess not a lot of people are sleeping. I mean, it's just I don't know. Um, I also really I'm I'm a closet Titans guy. You know I feel like they can always make a push, and if Mariota's is healthy, who knows? But yeah. you know I'm I'm we'll see how that one all shakes out. But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna go to break now. Take a uh, short minute break or so, and we'll be back here after the break talking. Tim Miles, Nebraska Ball, and the future of all that. You're here on KRNU 2, listening to The 2 Deep with Tim Hoffman and Will Stone. Back in a minute. And we're back here on the 2Deep on KRNU2 with Tim Hoffman, Will Stone. I am Will Stone. Tim Hoffman over there. Tim, say hello after the break. What's up? We're still here. We're still here. Um, yeah, so we're we're getting into Nebraska ball. Tim Miles out here. Um, things have been well certainly better for Nebraska at points. After a great start to the year, seemed like a virtual lock for the NCAA tournament. Uh, four seed, three seed in, even in some cases. Nebraska has... Falling off the wagon just a little bit, even though all the metrics favor, uh, our Huskers, uh, they do not look the part at the moment, which is a little ironic. If you think about it last year, the Huskers did not get in because they could not, you know, they passed the eye test, but they did not pass the mat pass the metrics tests this year. They pass a lot of the metrics tests, but the eye test leaves a lot to be desired. So truth is a lot is, lot has not gone well for the Huskers of late. Can't make free throws, can't make layups, can't make a lot of shots actually. Their free throw percentage has actually declined by about 10 percentage points. Shout out to Matt Wait, professor here at the Journalism College for telling us that. Today they've they've had the fourth largest decline over uh, their last chunk of games. Only worse they or only only teams with worse declines in their free th- or field goal shooting is the uh Indiana Hoosiers, the Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, and the NC State Wolfpack, who scored a whopping 24 points in their set game on Saturday. So, Tim, what are your thoughts on where Nebraska ball is right now? Where do they go from here? We'll talk 10 miles in a second, but just give me your thoughts on the team at the moment.
1: Um, right now, we honestly look like one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. You know, we lost to Illinois, who could very well. You know, they're on the uprise. You know, they beat... Beat Maryland and Madison Square Garden, but you know they're definitely probably one of the top, you know, top two worst teams in the league. Um, you know we can't score. He said it. We've uh, before in 2018, before the turn of the new year, we were aver- averaging 80 points and only giving up 57. And in 2019, we have only reached 80 point mark once, and that was against Iowa in a 93-84 loss. And we you know, we haven't scored more than seventy points since the Penn State win on January tenth, and you know the the chemistry is certainly just doesn't look like it's there. The offense doesn't flow. You know, obviously the absence of Isaac Copeland is huge for that team, but still, you know, you still have th- three returning starters back, and you know, I don't see I don't see that leadership, that senior leadership, who, where we're just like. This is how it's gonna be. We're gonna we're gonna find a way to win this game. That's just not there. James Palmer is struggling. You know, against Wisconsin we missed fifteen layups and dunks. You know, we're shooting close to fifty percent on layups. Like that's just awful. And I think that's more mental than just like physical. And, you know, we'll we'll get to that later of, you know, whose fault is it that they're not mentally prepared? You know, how much how much is it on the coach, how much is it on the player but yeah it's certainly after such such high hopes for the season such high expectations you know the Michigan State game was probably the most excited I've ever been to ever been for a Husker basketball game the Creighton game was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been to and you know in a matter of two weeks we're we've fallen off the map and you know we're we're tanking and something needs to happen for this team to get back on track.
0: The truth is after Um, you know, such a great, uh, performance against Michigan, uh, well, I mean, a good performance against Michigan state, but, uh, a great performance against Indiana, you know, things looked really good for Nebraska and looked really good for the Huskers. And they surely seemed like they would be, um, trekking toward that tournament. Like we said, you know, even after a tough loss to Maryland and a tough loss to Iowa, Uh, that win against Indiana seemed like it was a surefire quad one win and now that win has kind of turned into uh, a pile of nothing after mm, I mean okay in fairness Indiana did defeat uh, number six Michigan State there on the road at Michigan State last weekend but uh, the truth is that win is not what it once was or once appeared it would be Uh, so I mean the truth is Nebraska is in a real tough spot and Tim I'm gonna lob you in softball right now uh, If the season ended today, well, not ended today, but as it stands right now, do you think there is any way that Nebraska can salvage this year and still squeak into the tournament?
1: I certainly think so. Um, I believe that this is a team where if you just win one game, I think they'll get this thing back on track. And, you know, you look at the next schedule, it's not easy, not easy at all. You got Maryland at home on Wednesday. Um, They traveled to Purdue on Saturday. Um, You get Minnesota, you know, this three three game stretch of Minnesota Northwestern both at home and at Penn State you know that is you know th- those three games are going to determine you know if you win all three of those you're looking you know if you can squeak one by Maryland maybe Iowa you know at the end of the season you're looking you know what that puts us at three you know 4 5 that's putting us at 18 and 13 when when a game or two in the tournament i think the metrics show that we're we have a strong enough resume to make that tournament. But, you know, the way we're playing right now, you know, I don't see us you know, the way we're playing right now, I don't know if we're gonna win another game. You know, something's gonna have to turn and Wednesday against Maryland at PBA is a great, great opportunity to get things turned around, pull off pull off the upset, you know, Saturday at Purdue, Mackey Arena, Purdue's playing Purdue's probably playing the best basketball in the Big Ten right now and so that's not going to be easy but yeah you come back and you know Minnesota's no no pushover but that's a game at home where you know December Nebraska you should win that you know Northwestern you should that's a team that you can beat Penn State hasn't won a Big Ten game yet that has you know that has to be a win and you know if you can I've seen strange things happen you know if we go into Ann Arbor or go into East Lansing and somehow pull something off, you know? You know, a big win like that, even if you're sitting at 17, 18 wins and you pull off a game like that, that could very well be your clinch to the tournament. So, yeah, I think definitely, definitely we can salvage this season, get this thing back on track. But, you know, these last five games haven't shown me anything that gives me hope for that.
0: Well, the truth is, you know, we saw last year... mm, Nebraska fans were kind of upset about the fact that Texas made it in at, you know, 18 wins themselves, Uh, but they were in the Big 12. Big, big, big 12 conference, you know, big bad basketball conference, you know, and this year the Big Ten has shown to be one of the premier conferences, you know, if not the best conference in basketball this year. Uh, Nebraska really, um, really looks like they could, you know, have that argument going for them at least you know that they could you know be in the big conference and even if their you know record was rough through the middle stretch if they can kind of establish some course of direction down the down the end of the season I guess then it's possible they could squeak in I'm I'm in that boat with you that they've got a lot of chances to prove themselves and can you know, maybe establish something going there. Uh, we we are uh, the Two Deep on KRNU2 with Tim Hoffman and m- myself, Will Stone. Uh, we're here on our first show ever on KRNU2, Monday nights, 5 p.m., and we are talking Nebraska ball, and now we're going to kind of take it one step a little bit deeper, and we might get a little edgy, step on a few toes, but Tim Hoffman, what do you think of Tim Miles? What is, is Tim Miles to blame for this, A, decline in Nebraska basketball, or this um, kind of what seems to be a dumpster fire failure of a season is is it Tim or is there something else
1: I think it's half and half um obviously Tim Miles can't make the players make layups he can't make the players make shots but if he's doing everything to make sure that team's mentally prepared and they're still not mentally prepared that's on the players but at this time you can see the mental the mental aspect of the players is not there and is Tim you know putting in extra effort to make sure that his team's mentally prepared. Are we, you know, does he need to take their phones away an hour before, you know, a game, you know, just make you know, make sure that his team that he's doing everything to make sure his team is, you know, ready to go into that game. And um, you know, shots, you know, there's so many things that fans don't know about the team. Like what's happening indoors? What you know? What's happening behind the scenes? And you know, a lot of this can be traced back to summer workouts. You know, were we were we giving you know full effort in summer workouts when it was you know hot in the gym? You know, was that was that happening? You know, was he yelling at them? Were they giving full effort? Or is there just kind of a thing where the players have lost trust in Miles? You know, and you know where they're not going to give their full effort because they are, they're not sure if the if he's the right coach. They're not sure if he can truly win, you know, at the at this stage. And you know, props to Miles. When he was when he was hired, Nebraska basketball was in an awful awful place. You know, I've followed this team, you know, since I was young and, you know, you could you know, 13 wins was all we'd get, you know, every single year. And he's brought this he has brought this place out of the dumps where it's possible to win now. You know, we have a new arena. We have a new practice facility. And I think with that said, you know, it doesn't really matter what I think. If if he doesn't make the NCAA tournament, Bill Moose is going to fire him. But Nebraska, Nebraska basketball is at a point now where the interest is high. Where we can go out and we can get a Fred Hoiberg, we can get a Buzz Williams, we can get a Frank Martin, we can get we can get a high level guy, and instead of a mid major guy, like that's the only reason you know that's all Nebraska could get for so many years, and I think we have I think Nebraska has stepped out of that little little hole, but. I think Nebraska needs somebody to take them. We're out of that hole, but someone needs to take them to where we can start climbing that mountain and you know, become become a consistent program.
0: So Tim, are you, are you saying that you are on the Fire 10 miles train ultimately?
1: I think ultimately yes, you know, if he if he would turn this season around if we win seven out of our last nine games and we win a game in the tournament obviously you don't fire him but you know right now from what I've seen I don't think there's you know I don't think there's any reason to keep him at this point because you know next year you lose you lose rope or you lose Copeland you lose Palmer you lose Glenn Watson you know you lose all these guys it's going to be a rebuilding year anyway you know and I think with with Tim there's you know, that that's a recipe for disaster. And I don't think he has that offensive mind to salvage a you know, sixteen, seventeen win season with the players he has. And I think next year would be a great a great year to rebuild, bring in a new coach if if the last nine games go as we think it might.
0: Of course, of course. I'm a little bit on on, on your same wavelength there thinking that it might be time to go try and get an, another coach but I'm a little bit more on on the side of um, Tim Miles is a great coach a- and I think you know he truly um, has done a, a whole lot for this program and what he has done like you said cannot be understated he has taken them and you know made them into something that they never were prior to this ne- Nebraska was you know really as as I've heard so many say you know kind of that reprieve of somewhat interesting action between the bowl game and the spring game and now nebraska basketball is Nebraska ball, and it's it's a real deal and there's energy in pba on a nightly basis and you know nebraska was top 10 team in attendance last year and and some would call it a top 15 atmosphere in college basketball you know i mean that's there is legitimate you know happiness and excitement for nebraska basketball and all of that if, you know, most of it for sure, but probably all of it really can be tied in some way to Tim Miles. But the truth is that, you know, Tim Miles is not what is going to make Nebraska a actual national force. They're not going to, we're not going to get to, um, Nebraska's not going to get to a tournament, you know, final four or anything under Tim Miles' leadership, I don't believe. Um, You know, I kind of like to say that if Nebraska had Duke's roster, we wouldn't be talking about how bad of a coach Tim Miles is, but the truth is that nebraska's never going to be able to recruit like duke and they're going to need a coach who is a brilliant um you know high level top tier coach if they're ever going to take what nebraska is capable of getting you know the players the the three four star you know middling guys and turn them into a real tournament power someone who can evaluate that you know lower bowl of talent and find the diamonds in the rough and make them something further i guess so i would agree that you know let's go get a fred hoiberg buzz williams type guy you know and try and turn this thing around heck let's get let's get tyron Liu on the phone have him uh recruit for the ages what we've seen uh penny hardaway in memphis go and get the number one player in the 2019 class simply by being penny hardaway and ex-nba player and you know friend of legends and so tyron Liu might just be the be the answer there i'm for what it's worth i'm not actually advocating we hire Lu. i'm just <laughs> i'm just saying that uh there's a lot of options and we might as well take a step in a direction that say, hey, this year didn't go the way we wanted it to. We're thankful for everything you've done for us, Tim. You know, Part on good terms, part on the, the the note of Tim Miles, you did a lot for this program. There's no hard feelings. This year just didn't go the way we all wanted it to. And even if you make the tournament, maybe even if he wins a game, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know if Tim Miles is our long-term solution, but at the same time, Tim Miles cannot be to blame for the fact that Nebraska is missing all their layups. Like, I just don't see an answer for that. I don't see... It's inexplicable that the team that suddenly was so good last year, that that had seemingly put it all together. I mean, Evan Taylor's gone. Um, yeah, Anton Gill is gone. But Glenn, Glenn Watson's still there. JPJ is still there. Isaac Copeland was still there. But even before the Copeland injury, things were still not looking great. Th- the truth is, there was a recipe for success last year. Tim Miles had found it by the end of the year. And what's different this year? I mean, Jordy Chimanga has gone, but I don't think that he's really the reason Nebraska's nope. playing bad. Uh, the truth is Nebraska's just sh- started shooting poorly, and and that's on Tim to find ways to adjust and to, to kind of fix things from there. But the truth is that Nebraska basketball, it, not doing poorly because of Tim Miles, I think there, there's a bigger issue there. But that the truth is Tim Miles is not going to make Nebraska – a national power and nebraska fans kind of want that at this point point. and you know like you said nebraska fans want to be great at basketball because of tim miles but tim miles isn't the guy to make nebraska yeah. great at basketball which is kind of the the poor catch 22 there but it's interesting it's interesting
1: yeah the fact the fact that we're even talking about the possibility of nebraska basketball being a national power is absolutely insane because 10 years ago that wasn't even remotely you know considered among fans you know it was Uh, Let's try to make the NCAA tournament, you know, maybe win a game in the NIT, you know, beat Kansas maybe once, you know, that like that was the standard. And now Nebraska fans have this standard and it's great. It's great for the sport. We have a brand new arena, you know, that places I would agree, you know, maybe top 15, top 20 places to play in the country. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's time might be time to take a new step and take a step up, open up the checkbook. Check book a little bit and see what Nebraska gets.
0: Yep. Let's go lure Bill Self away. Mike Sheshovsky. Oh, yeah. Let's open it up. Roy Williams. Let's yeah, edit. exactly. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, you are listening to the Too Deep on KRNU two with Tim Hoffman and myself, Will Stone. We're gonna step away for a bit and we will be back with our hot segment, Take Talk, Take O'Clock. And we're gonna discuss some takes and you know, spit some game on possibly the NBA and some other stuff. So we'll be back after a quick break thanks for listening we'll be back shortly i And we are back. Tim Hoffman, Will Stone on the 2Deep KRNU2 here Monday nights, 5 p.m. This is our first show ever, and we're still trying to iron out all the kinks, but we just talked Nebraska basketball. We talked the Rams and Patriots and their futures. And now we are on to the segment we are calling Take Talk, Take a Clock. So the way this works, Tim and I have each prepared lists that the other person has not seen. Of takes that were well topics at least that the other person has to have a take on they will present their their take you know Tim will present his take I'll present mine or topic I should say and then the other person will have a few seconds to think on it while they're You know explaining it. I guess you'll see how it works pretty quickly each person gets a minute to answer I have a timer here set on my phone. You'll hear the timer ring when it is uh, when it is over and ready to go when, when he is cut off but Tim I will allow you to go first present me your first topic and then I will get us rolling
1: all right who's the better Nebraska coach Tom Osborne or John Cook and why
0: oh well, explain explain to me your reasoning just a little bit
1: so obviously John Cook has created a powerhouse in you know Nebraska volleyball you know we've you know it's national championship or bust pretty much every year and You know, Tom was here for 20 plus years, you know, won three national, yeah, three national titles, um, you know, 60 and three that three year span, Mm. you know, and it's, I think it's a good debate of, well, who's the best coach in Nebraska history.
0: All right. Well, here goes my minute. The time starts now. Well, obviously, Tim, I am not well versed in past Nebraska history growing up in Washington State. I don't know a whole lot of this stuff, so I'm gonna sound really ignorant when I say some of this stuff, but I'm gonna to have to go with John Cook on this one. Obviously, prior to Nebraska or prior to Tom Osborne, Nebraska had Bob Devaney and had national dominance. I don't really know what Nebraska volleyball was like. Obviously, I mean I know they've made what thirty-two, like there have been thirty-two NCAA volleyball tournaments and we've made and when I say we, I mean Nebraska has made all of them um so obviously that predates John Cook but the truth is that John Cook has built a team that consistently takes the top recruits consistently not that not that Tom Osborne did not do that in Nebraska but the truth is that John Cook has built a monster that is almost unparalleled and I mean it is a dynasty at this point Nebraska volleyball is a dynasty and is a program that is not to be trifled with so I'm gonna have to go John Cook on that one Tom Osborne is one of the greats and hopefully we have another one in Scott Frost but John Cook is that dude? And that is my time. So, that is our first take right there. We have the timer is being stopped, and we are set. Tim, my first topic for you. The college football it has a massive problem in the way that they schedule. Fo- they schedule their games, their conferences, their teams. Everybody's on a different page right now. The SEC plays eight conference games and can schedule a bunch of FCS teams. No penalty, really. No, There's no hard feelings if they schedule that. Big Ten, nine conference games, and if they schedule an FCS team, it's frowned upon. And it's kind of one of those tough ones. What do you think should be done about that? Should they go uniform across the board? Should they wh- – what should they do? Just, just give me your thoughts. Your time starts now.
1: I definitely think every conference should play nine conference games. And – I think first three weeks of the season need to be non-conference games, Power Five, you know, or not Power Five. You know, FB, FBS schools. You know, whether that be Nevada, Boise State. You know, we don't need we don't need Alabama playing. I don't even know who they play. The Citadel. We don't need <laughs> Alabama. We don't need Alabama playing the Citadel in you know week twelve. You know, week twelve, week thirteen of the season because honestly, it's a it's almost like a bye week. You know, and why why are they playing the Citadel in November when Nebraska has to play a Wisconsin or an Ohio State? You know, why, why is that fair to other schools? So, yeah, I think first three weeks, you know, non-conference rest uh, conference foes, and I think you just make it even all across the board. And, yeah, I think, you know, we're talking about this because of the SEC, and there's my time, so that's all I got
0: truth and Tim I want to I want to give you a chance we've got a little extra time here um John Cook or Tom Osborne for you I want to let you kind of back that one up
1: I think I'd have to agree with you with Cook because I think there's definitely a culture there you know we talked about in the you know the semifinals we're like oh we're down to over we're we're gonna come back and you know we're like that's that's what Nebraska does and I think that standard and that culture that he's brought here and the you know it helps that Nebraska, you know, Nebraska is a volleyball, you know. The, I want to, you know they're not a volleyball school, but the talent, mm-hmm. the high school talent recognizes is you know more higher up than, um True. the state fo- yeah than football, and I think, you know, you have to give credit to Cook and that so
0: truth, and I would say I agree with you that the uh, you know if if you're you know you might as well make the. The first three opponents of the year be those non-conference ones, because it is true that that, I mean, you saw with Nebraska and Bethune-Cookman, obviously, you know, I don't want to, you know, beat the dead horse of Nebraska, but I was at that game, and you watched morale going into it. Morale was high, but then they go and they spank a, you know, cupcake team. Everybody feels happy, and then you've kind of got some momentum through that game. You know, it's a win that, you know, you want or whatever, but, you know, the truth is that, yeah, it'd be better if we just kind of schedule everybody accordingly. So, Tim, uh, next one.
1: Yeah, so everyone's talking about the transfer portal. You know that's it's a big thing now in college football, and we saw firsthand last year we saw Tristan Jebbia leave. You know, right after he lost the tar- starting spot, we lost or watched Greg Bell leave. You know, Nebraska watched Ty John Winsey leave. Um, what are your thoughts? Is being able to trade? You know, I would say midseason. You know, mm-hmm. if yeah, is that good for college football?
0: Time starts now, and I think that the transfer portal is you know, fine for, for football. I mean, er, there's always going to be players that want to leave, that want to go somewhere else, that aren't happy in their current situation. Um, I think that the NCAA has made it, I guess, adequately f- fair, like the the restrictions on it, like you have to sit out a year, et cetera. That should deter it somewhat. Um, and sometimes I even think they're probably a little too strict in the way that they handle that. Um, but frankly, I mean, if Justin Fields is going to get stuck behind Jake Fromm, it's kind of pointless to waste two years of eligibility when you could be cutting checks somewhere else. I mean, if the NCAA wants to pay their players, then heck let's uh, make sure they stay. But, uh, until the NCAA starts paying their guys, these guys are just trying to get out as fast as they can and get to the NFL. And, you know, you might as well spend all your three years playing and raising your stock rather than sitting on the bench and only having maybe two years or something like that. And so, you know, Tate Martell wasn't, you know, he might've played this year, but he'd probably get stuck behind a better Justin Fields. But yeah, I think it's, uh, Good for college football, but it's acceptable. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so like, do you like the Tristan Jebbia you know situation that you know after he loses a starting spot, he can just you know he left right away, or do you think he should? I think do the more of a Jalen Hurts route and you know stick it out for that year.
0: I'm personally partial to the Jalen Hurts route, obviously because Hurts put himself in a good position by playing a year and transferring. You know, the year was forfeited either way. You know, and I get what Jebbia was saying about wanting to have as much time in a system as possible, but you know, Hertz at least had time. Anyway, point is, I think everybody should be on the same academic system, at least in the eyes of the NCAA. You know, I don't care how your university schedules their classes and whatnot, but, you know, the quarter system benefited Oregon State several times um, enough so that Frost block bells transfer there, you know, goodness. But the truth is that as long as everybody's on the same page and can pick recruits at the same time or pick transfers at the same time up to the same date and still be able to take them you know I think it's I think it's fine for the NCAA You,
1: yeah I think you know I'm more partial to the Jalen Hurts way you know you you devote yourself to a team and you know we saw you know we saw at Clemson you know what Kelly or Kelly Bryant transferred and Tre- Trevor Lawrence got hurt you mm-hmm. know so I think you, n- you never know you know we saw it here too you know Adrian got hurt and you know Tristan could have been the hero and led uh, Nebraska to their win against you know call you know colorado but yeah so i think i'm more you know sit at wait the season out see what happens you know you never know when your time will shine and then if things don't change then you can move on
0: bingo all right tim we're gonna switch gears just real briefly actually no we'll we'll stick here because i think we we can talk nba at the end briefly if we have time let's say you're a recruit you know whether you're a it doesn't matter what kind of recruit you are five star two star whatever you're a recruit you are Committed to a school, regardless of when you committed to them, but you've you've picked this school, you've announced your commitment, and right up before signing day, um, a slightly better school comes along. You know whether it's you know I'm committed to Northern Illinois, and then say Rutgers comes along, or I mean obviously Rutgers may be not worth transferring to, but you know you a school that you like a little bit better uh, comes along, sends you an offer five days before signing day and you know you've committed the school maybe you've been committed for a long time or you've just clearly shown that you're devoted or you know whatever the the point is school comes along and you flip you know three days before you you know unexpectedly there's no real relationship with that school up until that point they offer you you're like i'm flipping what are your thoughts do you you know you think that's you know frowned upon should you you know not do that should you stick it out or you get off my lawn stick with the school you're committed to kind of guy or
1: I mean, I think, I think the high school athlete should have um, the freedom to pick the school that he wants. And, you know, whether a new school, you know, comes in late in the process, I think he has the freedom to go choose another school. I don't see a problem with that. The thing is, if it's three days before signing day, are you really making the right decision? You know, can you make, you know, that, uh, quick, that quick of a decision in that little of a time? You know, do you have enough time to think it over? So, I mean, I don't personally have a problem with it. You know, for the benefit of the athlete, I don't know if I – you know, you would have to put a ton of thought into it. And, you know, just because if you're committed to Colorado and Ohio State comes up, you know, just because they're Ohio State doesn't mean you should commit there, you know, right away. And so, yeah, I I don't see a problem with it, but, you know, it's – you know, it's definitely up to the athlete and what he thinks is best for him because, you know, they're high schoolers. You know, we were all there. We were all, you know, we've never had to deal with this. So, yeah, that's all I got.
0: Exactly. Uh, was that was that a subtle dig at Colorado? I caught There, it sounded like you uh, you would spurn Colorado for Ohio State. Is what it sounded like. Oh, definitely. Okay. Co- Colorado's trash. <laughs> we're we're going to put that out <laughs> there. There we go. There we go. <laughs> all right, uh, Tim, y- you have your third and final take or topic for me.
1: All right, we're going to go a little ESPN uh, bias here. You know, for all those listening, I am a avid, avid Duke fan, and I didn't realize until about three years ago how much people hated Duke. But my question for Will is, Zion Williamson is the best NBA prospect since who and why? Time starts now. Great question, Tim. And, you know, obviously you could go back as far as
0: LeBron. <laughs> I don't think you can go any further back than LeBron. Obviously, Jordan was a great NBA prospect in a sense, but he still wasn't number one overall. You know, Penny and Shaq were both, you know, up there. I mean, Shaq probably, you know, was the... LeBron was probably the highest... I mean, he's probably the highest ever at the time, but highest since, you know, Shaq and whatnot. But I would definitely go back to LeBron. And even after LeBron, Greg Oden, maybe, you know, because I don't think Zion is as hyped as LeBron. I, I don't think you can be... You know, Zion's got a great body type, great, you know, athlete, can do some incredible things on a basketball court, but I don't think I'm ready to say he's the best NBA prospect ever, and I think that's what you get in LeBron. So I'd say probably since Greg Oden, even though Greg Oden was a bust, it seemed like he was a slam dunk, um, and KD was in that same class, but, you know, everybody was hyping those two. and So I think probably since that class in whatever, 2010, 2009, something like that.
1: Yeah, obviously the similarities between LeBron and Zion are, you know, body type, you know, the way they play, you know, they're both like to drive, you know, LeBron has become a better shooter, and I'm sure Zion will, you know, get to that point eventually, but yeah, I mean, LeBron is obviously the first person that comes to my mind. I don't know if I don't like that, you know, the hype is all around him, and the quote-unquote bias, you know, networks show him, you know, even as a Duke fan, I really don't like that, but yeah, it's kind of I'm curious to see what he does in the NBA and if he is going to live up to the hype because he has the body type, he has the play to possibly become uh, another LeBron. So.
0: True, uh, true. I respect it. Well, there's five minutes left here on the 2Deep on KRNU2 with Tim Hoffman and myself, Will Stone. Uh, we are going take-talk, take a take clock right now. I, I just love saying it. It's so catchy. <laughs> uh, it's also pretty corny, but we're not even acknowledging that at this point. I've got one last take for Tim, and then we will uh, maybe talk a little NBA to close, but Tim, the NBA has a problem right now. The Eastern Conference, not as good as the Western Conference. Right now, the West's second-worst team is the Memphis Grizzlies. For what it's worth, I am also a Memphis Grizzlies fan. I would like to (laughs) point out my bias just so we're all clear on all this. Uh, But Memphis Grizzlies are the second-worst team in the Western Conference. There's a pretty big gap between them and the Knicks, so I'm not using the worst team, just just so that's clear. But second-worst team in the Western Conference would be just three games out of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. That is you know, I'm going to say my opinion that's bad for basketball to have, you know, teams that are consistently better not making into the playoffs. And if you're having a conference that's significantly worse, you know, LeBron was able to make it to what, eight straight finals by playing in the Eastern Conference. And now he's in the West and that streak appears to be deeply in jeopardy with the Lakers currently sitting a couple games out of a playoff spot. So what should the NBA do about it? Should they abolish conferences entirely? Should they leave it how it is? What are your thoughts, Tim? You have one minute and your time starts now.
1: Me personally I think they should get rid of all conferences. See them one through sixteen and go from there. Do I think it'll happen anytime soon? No. I you know, there's too much with scheduling, you know, placement, you know, city alignment that I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon. Um, I would love I would love for it to happen, you know. You know, who wouldn't want a I don't know who's who's second in the you know, uh Warriors, you know, who wouldn't want a the best team, you know, best two teams in the finals. Like that's that's what we want. That's what every other sport is about.
0: M- Mark Emmert and the College Football Playoff Committee doesn't want that. Just well, for what it's yeah,
1: worth. Yeah, College Football Playoff. Is very, very very flawed. We <laughs> Another get, topic we, for a different. Yeah, day. <laughs> we can definitely get to that a different day. But yeah, I certainly think, I think the best thing for the NBA is, um, one through sixteen. I don't think that will change until, we start seeing, viewership go down. You know, and I think. I don't know if we're there. You know, I don't know the numbers. You know, people people say that oh, the Warriors are bad for basketball. But have you ever watched the Warriors? Have you ever watched how much fun they are to play? But or not not to play, but to watch. But <laughs> yeah. So I think that's that's my thoughts. Yep. You? I same way. Got to got to abolish the
0: conferences. Get them out of there. Get get your best sixteen teams in. Take a page out of the WNBA's playbook. That is not something you will probably ever hear me say again on this show, but the WNBA has it right. Get the best teams in the playoffs. Uh, Tim, we got three minutes left here before we close. You are Magic Johnson, and you want Anthony Davis. What are you willing to give up for him?
1: What am I willing – I would give up Ingram, Lance. um, Who else we got? Their center. Zubach. Zubach. Pretty much – You keep Lonzo, you keep Kuzma, and, you know, LeBron. And I think you do whatever you have to do without those three players to get Anthony Davis. Um, I think those – I think Lonzo, Kuzma, and LeBron are are the future. And, you know, I don't think you can get rid of that youth because, you know, honestly LeBron's probably got at most five years left, you know, and – I don't know if he's going to decline, but we might start seeing a decline and then you end up like the Cleveland Cavs and you're the worst team in basketball.
0: For so. sure. I would agree with that in a sense. Uh, the, the offer on the table, as Adrian Wojnarowski reports, is that watch the, bomb. Watch bomb. he <laughs> is reporting that the, Cav, or that the Lakers are willing to give up Lonzo, Kuzma, uh, Rondo, uh, Brandon Ingram, Lance Stevenson, and uh, shoot, one other guy uh michael beasley for uh and two first round picks and they'll take on solomon hill and anthony davis and if that is a deal the pelicans office front office needs to make that (laughs) but i have about no faith in the pelicans front office at this point simply because they ruined the prime years of anthony davis at this point and they're rivaling uh the angels front office and their use of mike trout at at the the same pace but yeah We're about to close here, and next week we'll be talking a little bit, you know, trade deadline, maybe a little signing day. We'll see if Nebraska catches any of that action on on Wednesday with any players committing and stuff like that after missing out on Stephen Parker just before the start of the show, went to Kansas instead, less miles, you know. But we are the two deep. This is Tim Hoffman and myself, Will Stone. Tim, any closing thoughts in the last few seconds?
1: Is Nebraska winning the game this week, basketball? I'm going to go with no. No. But we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for joining
0: us. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. And we will send you over to KRNU stream of music right now. Thanks for listening. Will Stone. Tim Hoffman.